0: Good. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. A couple of uh, one quick announcement. Have you notice that the emails have been spotty, uh, episodic, uh, sporadic from the church. Uh, that's because I'm I've been responsible for them. So that's what you can expect. So um, the change to that is that we uh, Amanda is coming on to help out with. Like regular correspondence to the church and helping with various things like that. Are there other things too? Am I missing anything? Yeah. No? So, uh, prayer requests, things like that, just send them to the church email address as usual admin at redeemerwestmichigan.org. I know it was a long website name, we didn't have a choice. Uh, that was my mistake. Uh, so, just send those prayer requests in, and then you'll uh, expect to see some more regular email correspondence here. Um, and with that, um, I have not been asked so frequently before a sermon before to make it quick <laughs> as, I, as I have today. <laughs> Everybody's like, "Hurry it up!" It's it's a little cold in here. And for the record, for those who are listening into posterity' sake on the recording, it is at last reading fifty five degrees in here. Is that right? Not and 56 now. it's fifty six now, right? It's <laughs> It's 45, it's a good point, Joe, it's 45 degrees warmer than outside, so be glad we're not taking this out there. And uh, I am going, I took my hat off and my jacket off to preach, because the zeal of the Lord shall make me warm. And hopefully that will, uh, uh, hopefully the preaching will be, will be hot today. Um, so with that, let's pray, and then we'll jump into our sermon this morning. Uh, Lord God, we thank you, uh, as we've already said, for the way you speak to us, we're thankful you thankful that you've you've uh not only um that you not only are open to having us turn to you and to trust in you but that you call us to do that that you that you implore us regularly in your word that we could turn to you the invitation is always extended and uh god help us in our hard hearts when we don't uh when we try to take things on on our own and uh So, God, we just pray thanking you for that and we thank you for the provision of your word. We pray uh, this morning, God, that the reflection here on First Peter uh, will be beneficial to our hearts, will be beneficial to our souls. And we uh, we ask your blessing upon both the reading of your word and our thoughts and reflections on it. And we uh, pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Here's the reading of God's word today. I'm going to read all the way through uh, from verse 1 all the way through verse 12. Our teaching will be verses 10 through 12, but to catch the the opening of Peter's letter, be helpful to remind us of, uh, of what he has written thus far. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. This is the reading of God's word. And we say, thanks be to God. I've titled this sermon, Know the Wonder and Greatness of Your Salvation. It's a very interesting here uh, set of verses and and it takes some little thinking and it takes quite a bit of reading to read through to make sense kind of what Peter is saying there in those last verses, 10 through 12. Okay, what is this about the prophets and the prophets inquiring and searching and that they were doing this for us? Let me give you the main points of this and then I want to unpack kind of the main thing that we could draw from this. Here's the main point, and I'm quoting this from, from Wayne Grudem's commentary because I think it was, uh, it was well put. The main point of these verses, 10 through 12, is to show Peter's readers, that's his original readers in Bithynia and Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, and to us, okay, to show Peter's readers that the spiritual blessings, i.e. this salvation in verse 9, that the spiritual blessings they now have are greater than anything that was envisioned by old Testament prophets or even by angels. Okay. Let me say that again to show Peter's readers that the spiritual blessings of the salvation they now have are greater than anything envisioned by old Testament prophets or even by angels. Okay, that's the main thing that we're going to unpack this morning. And so this I've labeled this know the wonder and greatness of your salvation. Peter's audience, his original audience here was experienced suffering, grieves, grieved by various trials. They experienced suffering because they were Christians. They experienced suffering for being Christians. And kind of the main purpose of the whole opening of his letter is to go, here's how you can be secure in those sufferings. Here's how you can cling to some security in those sufferings. And so let me recap kind of the flow of thought here. He wants to remind them that they're chosen of God. We saw that in verses 1 and 2, that even though they're strangers and exiles in the world, that they're the elect exiles. They're, They're chosen. They're loved by God when they're rejected by the world. That they're set apart by God. They're covered by Christ's blood. And then as a result, they're to be obedient. That they are to not only know that they are chosen by God, that they are to know what their living hope is. Verses three through five. That the source of the living hope is in our God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The source of our living hope stems from the fact that we have been born again, regenerated by the spirit of God to new life. That we are united with Christ in his resurrection that we have an inheritance that's secure for us in heaven that we have the assurance of the hope that God has guarding us and keeping us safe so do we know that we are chosen by God we know what our living hope is and that we know the truth about trials and temptations and that they do have a purpose that they're necessary that we saw last week that even though they bring heaviness to our hearts we have this joy in the midst of them because of our salvation We know that the purpose of these trials is to test our faith, to refine it, to remove the dross like the purifying of gold. And that we can conquer through our love of Christ and faith in Christ. And so now we look at the end of this. So Peter's kind of saying, he goes, we want you to know how you can be secure in the middle of suffering is to know your chosen, know your hope. To know what the purpose of the trials and temptations are. And then I would say, lastly, he's capping this all off by saying, know the wonder and greatness of what your salvation is if you have faith in Jesus Christ. So, again, that group quote to show Peter's readers that the spiritual blessings of this salvation they now have are greater than anything envisioned by the Old Testament prophets or even by angels. And so here I want to unpack this salvation in seven things to notice in these three verses. And then one kind of thought is the capstone for all seven of these. Okay, so you can follow along in your handout first, uh, this salvation. and, And notice what he's coming off of in verse 10. He says concerning this salvation, right? Because in verse nine, he's talking about the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We may experience hardship, difficulty, trial in this world, in our physical bodies. But he says, uh, uh, the salvation of your souls is the outcome of your faith. And he says, now concerning this salvation, I want you to know that this was prophesied in the Old Testament. So that's why it says the salvation was prophesied. Or verse 10, the prophets who prophesied explicitly. Okay, now again, remind ourselves what a prophet is. A prophet is... Primarily, one who receives an authoritative word from the Lord God and then delivers it as it's given. He's just giving it as the Lord has told him to give it. Thus saith the Lord kind of thing, right? And it's only secondarily about predicting the future. Okay, so sometimes just got to be clear, prophets do indeed predict the future to the extent that the word that they have received from the Lord Uh, entails something that the Lord says, I will do this. I will promise this. This will happen to you. Okay? So the prophets, the salvation, was prophesied in the Old Testament. New Testament is not plan B. Okay? This is not another separate path. There's not a path of salvation for the Old Testament and a different one for the New Testament and that they merge at some point in history. No. This is all part of the plan. It's one of, my, one of my favorite subjects. One of the, the big eye-opening moments for me was to realize, oh, there's one cohesive plan. This salvation is spoken of all throughout the Old Testament. So this salvation was prophesied. Okay? The prophets who prophesied. This salvation was a mystery concealed in the Old Testament. So what we mean by mystery here, and it was concealed like you, you knew it was there. But you didn't know the full opening of it. It hasn't been totally unpacked uh, for the Old Testament audience, the the true greatness of the salvation. So they it wasn't like they didn't know about salvation. And then all of a sudden the New Testament came. No, they knew about it. God spoke to the prophets about it, uh, but it was a little bit in shadowy form was missing all sorts of details. So this is why the prophets, it says here in verses 10 and also a little bit in verse 11, it says that they searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring what time or person the spirit of Christ in them. Okay. Now here the spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit indicating when he predicted. This is the predictions not of the prophets. This is the prediction of the Holy Spirit speaking through the prophets. So this salvation was a mystery contained, concealed in the Old Testament. And then number three, uh, oh, I got three and four there. Get a little, little advance uh, lesson. This salvation was a personal uh, reception of God's grace to us. You see that in verse 10, verse, uh, uh, kind of in the middle of verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the salvation, the prophets prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. OK, catch this here. Old Testament prophets are receiving this word from the Lord and communicating it out to their audience about what the Lord was doing. But contained in it was a message, Peter says, for you, New Testament Christians. OK, and this is why uh, this is connected here to to verse uh, to point number four. This salvation was was destined for New Testament believers. This salvation was, uh, as Augustine put it so well, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. So this salvation was spoken of, this new covenant that God was uh, offering through the forgiveness of sins through Christ was actually in the Old Testament in shadowy form, or Augustine says the new was in the old concealed and the old, all of those promises and everything is in the new revealed and that this salvation is destined for new Testament believers. Notice what it says in verse seven or verse 12. It was revealed to them. Okay. And this means God revealed to the prophets that they were not, they were serving not themselves, But you. They were not serving themselves, but they were serving you. The Old Testament prophets. Main service. Peter is saying here. Is not just for their original audience. He says. To these. Suffering and grieving and struggling believers in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia and Asia. In the middle of their suffering, he's saying. This salvation spoken of in the Old Testament was destined for you, New Testament believing Christians, those who believe in in Jesus Christ. This says to us that believers exist in an age of fulfillment. We live in an age of fulfillment. And in that sense, we're more privileged than Old Testament saints and believers. So that's the first four. Here's number five. This salvation is now proclaimed in the gospel. The things that have, as it says in verse 12, the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. This salvation is now proclaimed in the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ, His suffering and his dying, his death, his resurrection. And that through faith in him, we have uh, forgiveness of our sins. And then number six, this salvation is so glorious that even angels longed to understand and look into it. OK, notice at the end of verse 12, he just says this salvation. They were serving uh These prophets were not serving themselves. They were serving you in the things that had been revealed to them. They searched and inquired. They were wondering at what time this 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 salvation was going to find its full expression. And they were wondering when and who they were wondering, when was this going to happen? And who is this Messiah? Who is this coming one? It was so glorious that not only the prophets did the prophets inquire and search and investigate. They're not just pondering. They're not just kind of wondering. Oh, I wonder when that is. They actually were. The the phrase here is that they were searching diligently, almost like they were searching the scriptures to see if they could get some clues and hints. They wanted to understand this message that they had been given. This is what Peter is saying. They're inquiring at what person or time the Christ was coming. And then not only were the prophets doing this, the angels were doing this. You would think that if anybody has an um, inner, an inside access to the to what God is up to, you would think angels would be would be those people or those those beings. Now the angels, they likewise, they have to come and share a message. You know, remember Gabriel and Michael and those kind of things. They just come and share a message. Uh, um, but I could just picture like the angels sitting here going, Well, we know about this salvation, and boy, we don't man, what's what's the big guy up to? You know, like <laughs> what's the boss up to? We know he's up to something great. This is what Peter's saying. Even angels were curious to know the blessings that we now receive in this salvation. So think about this: believers in Christ are more privileged than angels. Not just Old Testament saints, not just Old Testament prophets. We're more privileged than angels. And lastly, this salvation was accomplished by the suffering and glory of the Messiah. They were inquiring in verse 11 what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ or Messiah and the subsequent glories. On the Greek here, it, it's, it's interesting. It's a little, and after, the, after these glories. So, so here's the point. Okay, why is he making all of these points about this salvation and the blessing of their salvation? Let me tie that back to what I started to say here about the larger point in all of this. Right. We're looking at uh, he wanted to assure his leader, uh, his readers, how you can um, be secure in the midst of suffering. He wants to know, know who they are loved by God, Um, know what their eternal blessings are, know their um, their security, know how God has loved them and cared for them, know that the testing and trials are for the purifying of their faith. And he's capping all of this off. By outlining all of this salvation prophesied in the Old Testament. The prophets were wondering about the greatness of this. And how it comes to be. Even angels are longing into it. And he's saying that all of this finds its fulfillment in Christ. Who suffers and then goes to glory. See how that ties in with what he's saying about their experience. This salvation that you have. That the prophets were wondering, who, who is this person? And then when you look and you find out who this person is, Jesus, you realize, ah, all of the blessings and the glory of salvation come in Jesus. And how does he come? Suffering and then obtaining glory. That's, that's a key thing to catch, capture here. So here's the capstone point. Sufferings first, glories to follow. Sufferings first, glories to follow. This is what all of the prophets were seeing in their message. Salvation and blessings were coming. And it was going to come in this Messiah. And when the Messiah comes, wait a second, he suffers and dies. And then is raised to life and is now seated with at the right hand of the father. It's not a straight path to glory. That even the Messiah had to suffer before he obtained his glory. And Peter is saying here, that's the Old Testament pattern. That's been the pattern all along. And that's the pattern for us as Christians, too. Sufferings and then glory. Jesus taught this. Okay, so let's let's go through a little Bible study here. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. This is Peter's biggest moment in his life. One of the greatest moments in Peter's life. Matthew chapter 16. We'll begin. uh, Let's start in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are that person that the prophets were inquiring and investigating about. This is a big confession here. And Jesus answers him. He says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to talk about this. This confession that Peter makes is now the, the foundation, the rock on which this church will be built. And then he strictly charges his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ in verse verse 20. Okay. Big moment in Peter's life. Notice what happens in the next verse, verse 21. Sometimes it's unfortunate these headings are there. From that time, meaning from that moment that just transpired with Peter's confession of Christ, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Right. Jesus explains. Great. You've identified me as the Messiah. Now, let me show you and remind you what the Old Testament hinted at about what the Messiah was going to have to experience. And that is suffering first. Glories to follow. Because it would be very easy for Peter and a lot of uh, believing Jews in the first century to think the Messiah comes, boom, straight to glory. And Jesus had to remind them right in the midst of this confession, okay, from that moment, okay, you guys now have to know that I'm going to be thrown into the hands of the chief priests and the elders and they're going to, they're going to kill me. Suffering first, glory to follow. To which Peter, the mature disciple and leader that he was, says, he, he uh, Notice what it says. Verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside. Can you imagine? Here, oh, here. Let me let me fix this. Jesus. Let me tell you something. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen to you. You're the Christ straight to glories. No suffering first. To which Jesus said, that answer comes from Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance. To me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. What are the things of man? Straight to glory. I want glory. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Suffering first, glory is to follow. The point is driven home even more after Jesus's resurrection. Kind of like a, a big I told you so. If you read the post resurrection accounts in all of the gospels, uh, and I, I challenge you to do that. Look through all of the gospels after Jesus's resurrection and see this theme. It's really prevalent in Luke's gospel, but it's everywhere. The angel at the tomb, Luke 24. He's not here. He is risen. And then what does he say? This is new information for you. I know it may be hard to grasp. What does he say? Remember how he told you? While he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of men and be crucified, suffering first, and be raised on the third day, glorious to follow. And they remembered his words. Oh, yeah. Duh. Should have had the eight kind of moment. That dated me. That really dated me right there. Okay. Jesus to the two followers on the road to Emmaus. Also Luke 24. What are you guys so sad about? Oh, Jesus. We thought he was the Messiah and he's dead. And now it's, it's three days later. And he says, you foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Right? The prophets had gotten this message that the Christ was going to come. He was going to suffer and they conveyed this message and then they were searching the scriptures to find it. And he's like, you guys are slow to capture what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things before he enter into his glory? Right in verse 26, was it not necessary and then beginning from with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them uh, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Genesis to Malachi, all there. It's awesome. Sufferings first, glories to follow. The theme of all the scriptures points to this and that the Messiah would lead the way a little bit later. Jesus is with the disciples He's eating broiled fish with them. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. This is also Luke 24. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It was all there. The new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. And he said to them, thus it is written, what, what was written, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day arise. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, in his name in all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Suffering first, is to follow. Peter finally got this. Turn to Acts chapter three. Peter's there. He's with his disciples. He's with the other disciples. He's with Jesus. He's getting this rebuke. He didn't get it. Remember, he didn't get it. He had to pull Jesus aside. No, this isn't this isn't for you. You don't suffer. You're the Messiah. When the when the when the police show up to arrest Jesus, Peter still didn't get it. No, I'm going to chop off an ear. So that you don't have to suffer. He finally gets it. And this becomes a key part of his preaching. He preaches a sermon, Acts chapter 3, verses 17, starting in verse 17. And now, brothers, Peter says, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did all your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, thus he fulfilled. Repent, therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke about by the mouth of the prophets long ago. Peter twice in that little section says two things that the prophet spoke of long ago that Christ would suffer. And that the restoring of all things, suffering first, glories to follow. It's, it's pretty amazing. You see it everywhere now, right? It's everywhere. Paul in Thessalonica, to, uh, when he's preaching in Thessalonica in Acts 17. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with the Jews from the scriptures. What was he reasoning? Explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Then he's saying this, is Jesus, I proclaim to you suffering first glories to follow. Lastly, I could keep on going. Lastly, the writer of Hebrews, speaking of Jesus's incarnation in Hebrews chapter two, he says, but we see him who for a little while was made a little lower than the angels Namely, Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to what? Glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. It's right there. Suffering first glories to follow. Now, it should be pointed out here that glory, that the glory of Christ is never spoken of in the plural. When it's used in the plural here, as it says here in first Peter, it's referring to our glories that we have through our union with Christ and that he has obtained for us and is going to give us again back to Grudem. The word glories here must not refer only to Christ's resurrection and exaltation which are never called glories, plural in scripture, but also to the glories of his kingdom, which come to us through his redemptive work. So remember Peter's aim, how to be secure through suffering. He says, know the wonder and greatness of your salvation. How wondrous is it? even the prophets who received the message of the coming messiah were in inqu- what is this searching inquiring who when we don't know and the greatness of your salvation as he spelled out so beautifully in this chapter thus far but he says but in order to know the wonder and greatness of your salvation you have to know suffering first and glories to follow. Because that is what our Savior and our forerunner had to experience. Sufferings first and glories to follow. Because that's what our Lord and our leader himself showed us the way. Sufferings first and glories to follow. Friends, are you, is it tempting for you to sometimes think that The sufferings in this life mean that Christ has uh, has abandoned us or far from us or neglecting us. Friends, if we really dig and unpack with what Peter is saying here, nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. The sufferings in this life. As a precursor to our glory. Glory. Shows you just how much we identify with Christ. Who himself suffered before he was glorified. That's what Peter wants to drive home to his readers. That's what God wants to drive home uh, to us Christians today. Sufferings first. Glories to follow. Know the wonder and greatness of your salvation. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and thank you for these wonderful mysteries of your salvation that you've revealed progressively all throughout the Old Testament scriptures and have now come to full revelation and full light for us. We thank you that, that we as believers are privileged above Old Testament saints. We thank you that as believers in this new covenant era through faith in Christ, that we are more privileged than the Old Testament prophets. And God, that we thank you that we are more privileged to know the wonder and glory and greatness of your salvation than even angels did. God, help us to daily live with a reminder of that truth that the prophets and angels wanted to know what it is that we experience and that is the salvation of our souls the grace that was given to us at the proper time through your son jesus in whose name we pray and all god's people said amen and amen friends let's stand for our closing benediction We have a temperature update back there. 56. Okay. Brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Father, and the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit be with all of you as you go. Thank you.